The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This uh, morning presentation, because uh, we'll uh, finish at one o'clock, I wanted uh, at lunchtime for you to not be in silence. I mean, if you want to stay in silence, of course you can stay in silence. But I wanted, uh, otherwise, if you wanted to speak, uh, you are very welcome. And then you'll have a great opportunity to practice appropriate speaking. Because I think appropriate speech, you might say, is one of the hardest of the Eightfold Paths. And is one of the ones we do the most. I mean, this is something that's happening, I presume, several times a day. You know? How do we speak? What do we say? How do we say it? And so this is what I like to, to look. So first I look at, a little at the definition. And you must be familiar with this, because this is something <laughs> we talk a lot about, appropriate speech. So the definition, and what monks is appropriate speech? Refraining from lying, refraining from slander, refraining from harsh speech, refraining from frivolous speech. This is called appropriate speech. So basically, the Buddha is, say, is saying, you know, not to lie, not to slander, not to speak harshly, not to gossip. But then the question is, do we intend to do this in general? In general, not. In general, we try to speak kindly, wisely, compassionately. That's our hope. And then, in a way, what is interesting is to look. What are the conditions that in a way helps us to more to appropriate speaking? And what are the conditions which actually seems to take us somewhere else? Because it's interesting when we speak sometimes, it's like we speak faster than we think, or faster than our wisdom and compassion would like us to do. And you think, oh, I said this. And the problem with the, the speech is that once it's said, I mean, at one level, Words. I mean, what we say are words. And at one level, what are words? Just a little sonorous waves. I mean, it's really... Talk about emptiness. <laughs> words normally should be quite empty because they arise and they're gone. Really, I mean, they really don't have inherent existence anywhere. I mean, they don't stick anywhere. I mean, of course, you can tape them and then it's forever after. But what happens when we he hear a word? I mean, often we grasp and we keep it for ever after, you know? Like you sit in meditation and suddenly you think, five years ago he said this, how could he say this? And you get all upset about it now, when actually the person said it five years ago. So in a way, speaking is kind of like, what do we say? How do, how, what, what do we do? And to me, this is a very, to see, 
And sometimes I think we look at right speech in a, a bit too, in a way which is too precious. You know, we, I must speak slowly. Otherwise, I must remain in silence. Then there is no trouble. But personally, I'm kind of more interested in what happens and what are these four categories that the Buddha looked at? Lying, slandering, harsh, gossip. And even within themselves, I think we could explore each category. Lying. I think actually there are different types of not saying the truth. I mean, you might decide not to say the truth because it might create less trouble, you know? Uh, or you might decide not to... Like, sometimes people ask me, if somebody comes to me and asks me, Why, wh what does so-and-so think of me? Depends, you know? If the person thinks highly of them, I will tell them. If they don't think much of them, I will try not to answer the question. I will try to remain silent or to say very diplomatic things. So I'm not saying the truth in a way. So, but I think it's kind of looking at what, is, uh, what are we doing, what we do. To me, this is what is important to look at. Am I not saying the total truth out of compassion? Or am I lying for my own interest in order to take advantage of somebody, in order to deceive somebody? Or is it a habit? Is it that I have a problem with the truth? When I was a nun in Korea, I spent a whole day with somebody because I was kind of taking care of the foreign guest. And at the end of the day, I realized that the guest I had been helping through the day had told me, constant lies. Nothing was true. And I was thinking, but why did he do this? What's the point? I mean, he was spending all this energy on telling constant lies, which for me, I mean, you know, it did not matter what he said to me one way or another, you know, it comes out, goes. And I was kind of like weird. That this was his motor, um, way of being, was to tell lies all the time about himself, his story, etc., etc. So in a way, it's kind of like, if we tell lies, the question is, what is behind it? Is it to deceive, to take advantage, or is it to not be who we are? And then how can we be more accepting of who we are, our circumstances? How can we deal with that? Then we have the next one, which is slender. And again, what would make one say something negative about somebody else? I mean, basically, that's what slandering is, to say something negative about somebody else. Again, I would say at times it can be appropriate. As a teacher, again and again, people ask me, Have you read this book? What do you think about it? Have you heard about this teacher? What do you think about the teacher? And if I know that the teacher is harmless, then I say, okay, yeah, yeah, it is okay. He or she is okay. But if I know through the grapevine that the person is actually not ethical and has specific trouble, then according to the condition, Like if I know that the teacher has a tendency to 
seduce young blonde woman. And if a young blonde woman asks me, what do you think about that teacher? I think, it's not a good idea, you know. But if it's a 60-year-old man, I think he should be safe, you know. So if he's interested, you can try math. <laughs> but I don't intend, in a way, I'm just saying it, be careful. So I think, again, what do we do? Or do we slander? Do we say negative things about people in order to demean them? in order to feel superior to them. Because often that's what we do. We think negatively and then we say negative things to really put people down. And that, I think, that's what the Buddha is saying. Be careful with that. Because that's aggressive. That's harmful. Or you have harsh speech. So in a way, speaking in a loud voice. And same, at the moment, my mother is uh, losing a little her memory. And so I have to take her to lots of uh, medical appointments and then to remind her of what the doctor said. And then often she doesn't get it. And then I hear my voice <laughs> try. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I say it one time very calmly, second time very softly. And the next one, I can feel the voice goes a little up. Like if I speak loud enough, she'll get it. But she, it, instead it makes a... So... You know, this become my practice to really not raise my voice, you know, to really be careful with it. But I'm not raising it in order to uh, attack her. I'm just <laughs> trying to make her understand. But sometimes you have <coughs> the same thing with parents. Sometimes I hear, uh, I live near a road, and sometimes I hear the parents shouting at the children, don't cross the road, be careful, the cars, you know, because it's quite dangerous for the, with the cars. So then again, they're talking loudly, a bit harshly, but again, not uncompassionately. Or are we speaking loudly to frighten? Because that's what we, sometimes we try to do. We, we speak loudly to frighten the person, to really kind of make them afraid, to attack them, to bully them. I mean, I remember once I was living in a community and suddenly one community member started to speak really loud and really harshly to one of the more kind of weaker community member. And what was nice was that three of us, because we were about six in the room doing various things in that big communal room, three of us rose in the same time and said to the guy, stop it. You know, you can't do this. This is aggressive. You're bullying her. You can't do this. And so the three of us could kind of have the power to make him, make him stop. But I think sometimes this is, in a way, what happens. So we have to kind of look. Why am I speaking loudly? What is going on here? What, and what will be the effect of that? Oh, we have the last one, which is the hardest, is Gossip. So the Buddha says frivolous speech. I think this is a good one, frivolous speech. And I think sometimes you have to speak frivolous speech, what I would call chit-chat, you know? Because if you speak about, you know, deep things all the time, I mean, it can be a bit tiring, you know? <laughs> I used to live in the community, and there was this guy, he, he would only speak about profound things. Everybody started to avoid it. 
I mean, there was somebody in the community who was dying at the time, dying of cancer. And so the, that fellow wanting to speak about profound things used to really like to go to talk to him. Talk to him about impermanence. Talk to him about death. You know, he thought it was great. And I used to look out when he used to go to the room of the person who was uh, ill because I knew the guy would be so upset. So as soon as the, guy, the other guy had gone, I would go in to kind of try to... Because it was, what was amazing about our friend who was dying was that he'd been fighting for the last 15 years. That's what I really admire, a kind of a Buddhist fighting in permanence. He really fought. Like they give, gave him a year to live. And he lived 15 years. So he did not want to hear about death. He didn't want to hear about life. And personally, I was very happy to talk to him about life. I mean, he would see death soon enough. I did not need to help him there. It was so that's why I think we have to be careful of, I think social, social chit-chat can be useful as a way just to get to know each other in a light manner. We don't have to kind of, you know, who are you? Tell me your profound truth, you know. But at the same time, Sometimes we uh, gossip, and then gossip can be so dangerous and also so create lots of trouble. So I think we have to be very careful when you're talking, especially when you're talking about somebody who is not in the room. What are you saying about that person? Are we kind of saying something which is constructive? Or are you saying something which is really, really negative? and which really could actually, over time, have really long-term consequences. That's why I think we have to be very careful of what we say, the way we speak, how we speak. And I'd like to read one of the quotes of the Buddha, because I think this is such an important one. It's a long one, but I won't read it all. It's a Majjhima Nikaya 41, and he says, he does not in full awareness speak falsehood for his own hands or for another hands or for some petty worldly hand. Abandoning malicious speech, he abstains from malicious speech. He does not repeat elsewhere what he has heard here in order to divide those people from these. Nor does he repeat to these people what he has heard elsewhere in order to divide these people from those. Thus he is one who reunites those who are divided, a promoter of friendships, we enjoy concords, rejoices in concords, delights in concords, a speaker of words that promote concord. So to me, what the Buddha is saying, not only that do you speak in an appropriate manner, in a wise and compassionate manner, but that it is also in a way your duty to help others, so that your speech not only is appropriate in the fact that you don't say anything which attack, but also there is other thing. This is not just about not speaking negatively, but I think it's also speaking positively. In which way can I speak that it will lead to more harmony, that it will lead to more happiness, to more peace? And so I think this is what we really have to look in terms of the frivolous speech, the gossiping. How, what am I speaking 
is it going to lead to more peace, to more contentment, happiness? Or is it leading to something else, to vengeance, to aggression? And often that's what happens when people have trouble, when you suddenly two people you know are in conflict, and each of them come to you to ask you to kind of be behind them. And I generally try to avoid that. I generally try to kind of, you know, bring it down so it becomes a little less aggressive. But recently there was such a thing, and then they were using my word to attack each other, saying, Martin said, no, no, she said. That's a wait a minute. I did not say that, and I did not say it that way. But then it kind of, uh, I stopped, yeah, I stopped speaking for a while to the two of them, because whatever I said, ended up in a really wrong place. So that then I kind of decided on silence in that occasion. So sometimes, in a way, we need to speak and we can help out. And sometimes, actually, we have to remain silent because silence is what's going to help out. And I think, in a way, to look at the conditions. What are the conditions which will lead to appropriate speech? And what are the conditions which will not? And I think one of the conditions which doesn't help is when you are busy. It's interesting. When we, you know, you're doing what you're doing and suddenly you think, I am busy. I have this to do, I have that to do. <gasps> and then you really, your mind goes. And actually, really often you say things you did not want to say. Or when you're stressed, you become very anxious. And then again, there is kind of like a disconnect with the wisdom and the compassion, and then you say things, and you why did I say that? Also, when you're tired, when you're tired and you kind of, again, the first thing that comes, you say it, and then you think, what was that? You know, why did I say that? So I think in a way, not to say that we must be perfect in speaking all the time, but to be careful. If I'm tired, if I'm stressed, if I'm busy, I might not speak appropriately. So can I be careful so that you kind, of, you kind of, in a way, try to help yourself there? And I think that's where the mindfulness, again, is going to help us. Another thing I think to, to look at is the effect on others. I think this is something really important to look at. What is the effect of my word on others? Because often... You say something, or somebody says something, and then somebody gets upset, and then the person will say, but I did not mean that. But the person understood it in that way. And that's why, again, where it's so important to notice how some word can be very trigger word for some people. And if you use them, they won't listen to you, because that word will have really triggered their habits. So I think we have to, in a way, because often we say, oh, I want to say it like it is. Well, if you do that, you might not, again, necessarily be constructive. So it's becoming aware. What is the effect on words on people? What are the words that really trigger them? Also, how you say them, how is that going to trigger them? I mean, I am a French person, I was born in France. I lived there for uh, up to the age of 22. Then I was in Korea for 10 years. And then I went to live in England. 
And it was very different. Because in France, you didn't really say it like it is, especially if you come like me from a more working class family. Then in Korea, according to who you speak, it depends. Some people you say like it is, if they're lower to you, if they're equal, you're a bit more careful, and if they're superior, you're hyper careful. So it's kind of like depends who you speak to. But you can speak quite directly to your friends or to people who are just a little below you. And then I go back to England. I go to live in England. And then one day something happened. There was like a kind of a big problem with the chimney. Like it's raining, pouring down with rain, and all the water is coming down the chimney in the guest room, and something has to be done. So the first person I see in the corridor, I say, come, you must do this. The guy looks at me and continues on his way and doesn't come and help me. I think this is weird, so I kind of go and do the job by myself, and finally it's okay. But he was a very nice person generally. So I said to him, but why did not you come and help me? He said, well, you ordered me. You know. And I said, ah. So after that, I was always saying, do you mind? Could you consider coming to help me at some point? <laughs> and it worked much better. So it's just also to see. We have to adapt. We would have to, in a way, not to just speak the same way everywhere. And it's not to mislead people. But again, to adapt, to be aware of the different condition. And then I would like to... That's why I would encourage you to speak at lunchtime, if you want, is to see that with appropriate speech comes one of the things which... Is not in the Eightfold Path, but I personally feel could be the Eightfold Path, but could come in this, is appropriate listening. And this is something I think we can really cultivate in our daily life, is that when you speak, you don't only speak, but then you listen, because generally you speak to somebody, which then is going to talk to you. So it's really kind of this shared thing. And then how do I listen? To me, that's one of the things we can really practice. And generally, I would say we listen in three ways. First one, we listen, but we wait for the person to stop so we can say something so much more interesting. <laughs> Next one, we listen. Basically, we look in the right direction. They speak, and we're thinking of something totally different shopping list, whatever, and then when they say, what do you think? We have no ideas what they say. That's very interesting, because you have the ears, they work, and it really shows that then there is no mindfulness whatsoever. Actually, you don't hear. And the last way we listen, we listen and oh, we grasp, oh, no, not really, and to kind of we amplify what they say, which often is not very helpful. And so I would say meditative, creative listening. To just listen, to just be present, to just listen to what the person says. Not waiting, not preparing, not remembering, just listening to what they say. And when they stop, and then you say something, generally it's so much more wise, compassionate, and to the point. 
And that's why I think it's so important to develop that. And so that's what I would encourage you to do during the break. So that's what I wanted to say today. Are there any questions or comments? We have a few minutes. Yes. Uh, with regard to listening, I want to share what Confucius said. He said, at age 50, I understood the way of life. But it took me until age 60 to listen <laughs> without any resistance. <laughs> Thank you. I was just thinking about um, one of the reasons, trying to think of what reasons you gossip. And uh, one of the things that occurred to me is that when, when I've caught myself gossiping, it's usually because I'm trying to cultivate some like secret knowledge with somebody or like get get closer to somebody and share something about somebody else that so we have this in common that we know this together so it's actually not trying to hurt that person but trying to help myself get closer to this person or just for entertainment you know and uh, that it's just, that's something to think about I think yeah, yeah so it, that's the thing it's like in a way when you do it what's the point a little? I mean, entertainment, also that, mm, do you know that one? Oh, yes, that's a good one, you know? A little club, you know, just you and me, or just so that, you know, the, the person will listen or more talk to me because I have something a little special. So in a way, and then there is a fine line in terms of what is harmful and what is is harmless, but just to notice that, you know, it can start as being fairly harmless and then it can turn into fairly starting <laughs> to be harmful. So to me, it's not, that's why I'm saying it's not, not to do it, because I think it's useful to just have chit-chat. You know, at the, basic, at the beginning, it's just communication. And then from basic communication, then when does it turn to this or when does it turn to that? I think that's what is kind of we can all look at and find very many different reasons why we do it. Of course, of course. Okay. Uh. Um. So I often wonder when, um, you know, things are not perfect and um, when you see things um, <clears throat> that are not fit um, in terms of, you know, what we understand as not true or not right and sometimes you know, you have to take the risk to face the reality. And it's not just, um, so um, when I find myself in that situation, like, you know, we have five siblings. And when my brother, who is, you know, the eldest, 
and he doesn't, sometimes, you know, he, he's not perfect. <laughs> so when I have to point out um, he's not perfect in this occasion, I don't know why I have that itch um, to point that out. It's, um, it's, I have, so when I, um, when I, you know, when I'm more aware of the message that, um, you know, when you do not want to be in the negative mode, you just stay away from it. And that seems to be, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of copying out to me. So that, you know, um, is a, you know, it creates a conflict. So how do you, um, you know, face the truth and at the same time face the truth by confronting and also speaking about what's not true. At the same time, practice um, being, you know, compassionate and being loving, those seems to be in conflict. So that is my question. Sure, sure. No, no. I think this is a... And to, to me, that's why it's an exploration. The appropriate speaking, it's really an exploration because it depends so much on the conditions. On You see, there are different types of people. There are some people you have some trouble with. You can go to them and in a non-aggressive manner talk about you know, what is causing the problem, what is the suffering about. And actually, this will lead to resolution. The fact that you are quite honest about what's going on, but in a non-aggressive way. Then there are other people. If you try to say something of that nature, then they will generally either block, or they will aggress you in turn, or other difficulty will occur. So I think it's kind of really to see. And also it depends on how you are yourself. If you are really stable, really kind of feel well, you often can speak in a creative way enough that it can work. And, but if you're really tired and stressed, then you might not have the strength to do it. So sometimes you might wait to feel better to do it. So I think first you have to see how am I myself? Then also how urgent is it? Because sometimes if the person is doing something which is really dangerous, then you really have to address it. And then all the time, it can wait a little for things to be a little settled, and then you can address it, and not in the heat of the moment. Because sometimes in the heat of the moment, it kind of doesn't work. So, so again, I, I'm not, personally, I think that if one knows appropriate speech and loving kindness as not addressing issue, then what you have is you don't get explosion of anger, what you get is resentment. And I think the Buddhist and meditator can be very good at resentment. It starts by, hmm, hmm, it's okay. I will be compassionate. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> then second time, hmm, all right. Okay, okay, okay. Be patient. Yes, it's okay. I will be patient. It will pass. 
everything passes. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Third time, explosion. That I don't think is a good idea. So I think it's to really look. That's why I think mindfulness, awareness is so good. If you start to be more aware of it at the beginning, something is wrong, something, hmm, the way they say it or what they said it or the way they behave or not behaved, or et cetera, et cetera. And then for you to understand, what is it that disturbed me? So that you're clear, I think it's important to be clear, what is it that disturbed me? What is it that is painful? So it needs to ap sometimes happen several times before you get what's the problem. And then how can I address it with this person? At what time? And how is the best way to do that? Like once uh, I was somebody just started to shout at me and accuse me all of kind of thing. And all of it was false, so it did not disturb me because I did not take it personally. But I realized that if he did this to me, he must be doing this to other people. And that was not on because it was in a community setting. So then afterward, I waited for two or three days, I went to see him but with somebody else. Because I thought just myself would not be enough. So I got another teacher to come with me and talk to him. And then in a very peaceful but straight manner, we talked talk to him about that. So I think that's what you have to see. At what time can you speak, when, and how is a person? But it doesn't always work. So in a way, you have to learn. When he's speaking better, when he's not speaking better, when it's better to speak with somebody else there too. So it's kind of considering the different aspect, I would say. This is, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Okay, and I think we have to stop here so we can have a break. So I would suggest a break for one hour. So we meet back here at two, but we will start with a meditation of 10, 15 minutes so that everybody can arrive on time. I think that's maybe the best way to do it. And then there is a little announcement. Uh, uh, thank, uh, thank you for offering a ride to, um, to Marin County for Martine. So we have that taken care of. And uh, also, I'd like to correct something I said earlier. Uh, for those who might be writing checks, you only need to make out a check to the Sati Center. Uh, our treasurer will take care of uh, the Donna for Martine. So, thank you. And so I would uh, suggest you to, uh, during this break, to take some fresh air if we, if we need, and then to be aware when you eat, when you speak, when you listen and uh, to come back at 2.15. 2 Thank you.